three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Plenty of Rope, uh, the podcast where we have plenty of rope to hang ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a sound effect for the yeah. You know, I was just looking at the news, and was it uh, Ben Franklin that said that we should have a revolution every 200 years? I think so. Uh, that seems applicable. Let's see, when was when was our last revolution? Um, I want to say 1776? Yeah, 17, 18, 19. I think we're overdue. Did I do my math right? I think you did, didn't you? Uh, uh, we should have had one back in 1976. So, so we're... Yeah, it's, it's time for a revolution. How are we going to do it? Well, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. We should we uh should we just uh march on on Washington? Us and what army? The I mean the libertarian army. There's a few of us. Yeah, the army that says stay the <laughs> stay away from me. <laughs> they're gonna be they're gonna wanna join together and be a big group. Well, it's more like the don't tread on me thing. Like, I, I count myself as a libertarian. Um, we don't want the government controlling me. I don't want the government telling me what to do. Um, but when it comes down to it, I have the right to bear arms. And I have the right to bear arms not to necessarily protect my myself from other people, though that is something that happens. But I have the right to bear arms to protect myself from an oppressive government. Right. And we're in the midst of a government that is uh, working to remove my ability to defend myself when that government becomes oppressive. What happened to, well, the, the, the Soviets? They started by getting rid... Well, actually, the Soviets, the Germans, or the Nazis, they, they started by removing the ability for the people to rise up in revolt. And then no, they got to the control the masses. Not that we could really do that here, but I just want to say, as a side note, I really like the way Alexander the Great did his um, his revolution slash conquesting because he would the, the killing of every family member that part or something else, something else. Um, <laughs> no, it's just um, it's brilliant the way he did it because he when they took over a city, they would take all the books, all the art, everything that made their culture, their culture, and burn them. And then they would bring in a bunch of Greek stuff, Greek books, Greek language, Greek art, and they'd basically turn these people into Greeks. And if I could even segue further, which of course I'm not going to, I would say that that actually set the stage for Christ to come and the Bible to be written. But that's just the biblical major in me talking. <laughs> Because well, it's if everyone interesting. didn't speak Greek, then the gospel couldn't have sped, spread like wildfire. Yeah, it definitely... I mean, I've thought about this before, but not recently. But So you have that foundation, and then you have the Romans who come in, and they they modify it a little bit, but they keep some of that notion. Um, they work on making the inhabitants of the conquered areas Roman, they don't necessarily remove everything that made that region 
special, but they made sure that they that region began to see themselves as Romans and uh, thus spreading that common language. You know, I was just thinking while you were talking about how, like, before we started this podcast, you and me were looking at the news and we looked at, you know, there was that video some people published about, you know, it was anti-whites. They were beating this guy on Facebook Live. Who thought that was a great idea? I don't know. Um, Trump was going to cut back the CIA. The Republicans are going to overthrow Obamacare. And, like, a lot of people, that stuff seems really important. But if you think back, historically, that kind of thing was the least of anyone's worries. And I was thinking, you know, it's it's kind of weird how nobody really fights anymore like they used to, even though there's so many people. And I was, I had, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking all of this while you were talking. So I was, apparently wasn't <laughs> listening very good. And then I was wondering, like, could it be because we have, the human race has nuclear weapons now that people aren't fighting as much? Because if you think about it, we probably would have been at war with Russia a long time ago if it wasn't for that, because they're afraid we're going to nuke them and we're afraid they're going to nuke us, so nothing happens. Interesting. It's true. I think we try to... I don't even know how to put it. I think we don't. we see fighting as something that is less evolved. And that's in air quotes. <laughs> and we there's an attempt to debate because that is the the civilized thing to do but people don't actually know how to debate at least nowadays um they throw out emotional arguments they use straw men they don't know how to adequately have a debate so we're left with people who don't fight they don't debate. They're full of consternation. And the only way to deal with that is diarrhea of the mouth. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I can't even understand, like, the way people are now, how everything functions so well. I mean, you may not think it functions well, but it functions well considering the people that are running everything. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's just nobody... Nobody values education anymore. So that's asking for for trouble. Because <laughs> when nobody knows their constitutional rights... Nobody... That was one thing I was marveling at the other day, is that when I was in school, we spent very... I'm, and I was homeschooled, so I was much more in-depth than other people on this, but we barely even, like, got into laws or the constitution or all those practical things so i sent uh jeremy a link i'll put the link in the show notes as well um but uh there's this guy on youtube his name is dave um the youtube channel is called boy in a band and he has a video that talks about school well there's two videos one of them is a rap and then one of them is an in-depth analysis of of school the point was is that he was saying that the things that normal people study these days that seem so so normal to us english social studies science it's where you learn all these theories math you learn all these these theories and stuff as fact, but they don't teach you anything about the stuff that you're going to need, like how to get a mortgage, 
how to manage your money, keep up with with bills, and how to think ahead about that kind of thing. And I just thought it was really interesting how right it was and how, like, myself including, you just went through school and hardly even thought about that. So that's kind of all I was going with with that. Um, gotcha. Anyway, a little segue there. So, I, I have an interjection here real quick. So talking about uh, fighting or that type of thing, um, I have a little... A little uh, reformed anecdote, oh, real quick. No. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better repent. I'm telling you why. Bishop Nick is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice of those who deny the divinity of Christ. Bishop Nick is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you're an Aryan, so duck, for goodness sake. (laughs) And then there's a picture of um, St. Nicholas saying, I came to give presents to kids and punch heretics, and I just ran out of presents. (laughs) For those of you that can't see, I've got my face in my hands. (laughs) <laughs> hilarious um saint nicholas was known to have decked repeatedly yeah, allegedly. Rep- arius uh because of how heretical um arius's teaching was there's there's a man who had conviction and uh he took it into his own hand or fist as the story tells anyway <laughs> Who knew that uh, Sig Nick was such a believer himself? <laughs> you were talking about being a libertarian. To yeah. be honest with you guys, my parents are... They they call it platform Republican. They're pretty Republican, but they're Republican in the sense of what the Republican platform actually says, unless what Republicans actually are these days. Which is, in my opinion, semi pretty much the same thing as Democrats. Um, just uh, <laughs> competing teams or businesses or however you want to look at it. I saw all that and just none of it seemed to make sense to me or interest me. And I ended up registering as an independent. But like the more I read about Libertarian Party, the more I feel like I really agree with it. I mind my own business, you mind your own business kind of person. Which mm-hmm. makes me perfect if you I was just reading about for the Libertarian Party because that's really what I want. I just want them to do, you know, the functions of a government that we have to have and leave me alone, which, of course, I mean, I guess not everyone believes this, but I think that's more or less a fairy tale because, oh, dear, here we go. Um, <laughs> I, I can't help but, like, to make this point, I have to segue into communism. So... <laughs> <laughs> If you read anything that um, Marx, the guy who originally started the idea of communism, wrote, he sounds like a Christian. Like, what he says makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of scary because, you know, for me, I grew up with people talking about how crazy communists are. And I'm reading this, I'm like, wow, this makes sense. (laughs) So that was kind of weird for me. I'm like, oh no, I hope I'm not a communist. But anyway, the problem with communism, you know, it's, it's basically the idea that everyone supports everybody. Everyone, you know, puts in, puts in the effort to support everyone. The problem with that is it doesn't take into account 
human arrogance and selfish ambition. Because inevitably, you're going to have someone who comes along who's really smart and says, this is an interesting system. I can take advantage of this system. And if you look, you know, at Russia or Germany, what I'm saying is historical fact. It started out as a great idea, but then somebody took over and it became a dictatorship. So I feel like it's kind of the same way with libertarian. Like, you can't just let go and hope for the best. Like, it would have to be something that was really... The party would have to make a lot more effort than you would think that someone with those those views would to make the government stay where it's supposed to. Well, the thing is, is that we move towards wanting more control for ourselves. That, I mean, that's, that's a documented human thing. And what happened in Russia was that the Communist Party wanted to solidify power for themselves, and they did not care who was left in their wake. Now, communism as an ideal, I think is fine. I think on a small scale, communism can work. And it's being a community. And I think that we are called as believers to live in community. I believe that that's what was talked about um, in Acts, is that the early church lived in community with each other. But the problem is, is that we are fallen. We are humans that continue to want power for ourselves. And so then it devolves on a large scale, particularly when you have it as a form of secular government. We don't have a government that is a Christian government. And so we have to operate under different... I think we have to operate under a different set of rules. So I don't want a government that is powerful enough to do all the things that I want them to do. Because if they have the power to do all of those things, then in the next election, everything can be reversed. Or it can be hampered or something like that. So the more power and the more say-so that my government has, the more likely it is for me to be persecuted in the future. Of course, persecution is a whole nother topic because I think persecution is actually a good thing and not a bad thing. But if we're trying to to have a system of government that is beneficial for everybody and allows Christians to continue to live their life according to what God has set forth in the Bible, then it's also going to allow for Muslims to live their life how they see fit. It's going to leave everybody else to live their life the way they see fit. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I think that, I mean, we definitely have many ministry opportunities and when we aren't the ones in quote unquote power browbeating people, I think there's more potential acceptance 
um, to the things that we say. But I don't think it's the government's responsibility to tell me what to do with my life unless it's directly impacting someone else. So if I get in an accident because I was not completely sober, then I believe it's perfectly fine for the government to charge me with like reckless endangerment or what have you. Like I am potentially putting someone else's life at risk. Hold on. But if it were up to me, you know, I'd be living in in the woods in Scotland probably and I would just have like my own little clan of people. <laughs> it's just exhausting for me these days. Have you ever wondered if you're familiar with the terms macro and microevolution? I'm sure sh- my brain can never keep them together, like separated. They always just merge to each other, and it just ugh. so macroevolution is like Darwin's theory. It's the idea that maybe I should start with the other one. So, <laughs> Darwin actually discovered this one too. Microevolution is when he's when he was on those uh, those islands. I want to say it's in Guatemala. I can't remember exactly, but the story goes. You know, he's looking at these birds, and he noticed how the birds of the same you know original species their beaks had changed to eat different kinds of food. So he was wondering then if an animal can genetically change from generation to generation to suit their environment better if they could turn into a whole nother animal over time. So that was the theory of macroevolution. But microevolution is a proven fact because you see it every day. Like you see it in, in people, you know, people that, you know, genetically their their history is in a, a place where the sun is a lot hotter, you know. Um, they have darker skin. If there's a lot of sand where their family grew up, they have thicker eyelashes to keep the sand out. Stuff like that. Um, where was I going with all this? <laughs> micro, macro. Micro, macro evolution. Oh, I was going to say, like, I have this weird feeling. Like, when I watch... TV shows that were made in Great Britain, or if I, you know, I was in London for a while, I had this feeling the whole time I was there, and when I think about, you know, the way they used to live, where I'm like, that should be me, I shouldn't be living here, I should be there, and it kind of made me wonder if somehow you can genetically pass that along, because I do have a lot of history of Scots Irish. Obviously, it's a, it's a crazy idea that no one's ever tested, and how would you even test it? But it was just something that I was wondering about because it just seemed weird that I would just want to live in a country that I'd barely been in before. <laughs> so, well, I feel I feel the same thing. I'm actually, um, I was just uh, tooling around the uh, Shetland Isles right now while we were talking. Um, <laughs> And uh, I found a perfect, perfect place. I'm sending you the latitude and longitude. <laughs> um, but no, for the longest time, I have felt a desire 
to live in Scotland. Um, my preferred climate is something that is on the colder side. I do like the gray days. Gray rainy is like I perfectly fine. It's so weird. Um, it's those things are just something that I've always enjoyed. My mother, on the other hand, she abhors anything to do with cold and anytime the sun is not directly touching her skin. Um, <laughs> she she just can't handle it. But I love it. I don't want to be around the sun all the time. I get it. Like, it's there to keep me warm. And that's wonderful. To get that test where you can find out where your actual history is. $200. Because I really want to do that. <laughs> Me too. Oh, Jeremy. I thought you already had done that. No, I haven't done the test. I've done genealogy stuff. Um, but I know... I've, I at least have a good idea of uh, my ancestry. And it all points to... I mean, primarily it's the British Isles. Um, I have some French in me. Um, but the, the thought of, of living in like Scotland or Ireland or, uh, England. So if the United States government falls in the next couple of years, you know where we're going to (laughs) be. Well, I don't know about that. Um, let's, let's talk Brexit here real quick, shall we? Um, so I don't even know where to begin. The UK is in a very interesting position right now because Scotland voted to stay in the um, EU, but England and Wales voted to leave the EU. And so Scotland says, well, if you guys leave the EU, then we're going to leave the United Kingdom and then join the EU ourselves. But it just doesn't work exactly that way. Um so I, I think the next few years are going to be very interesting in the United Kingdom. I think there's going to be a lot of unrest. Uh, I believe right now, actually, they're making it's more difficult for um, foreigners to get into the UK. So for us to live there would not be the easiest thing, unfortunately. I'm sure we could figure out a way. Um, but... And there's a lot more land to work with here, so I guess it'd be easier to develop fortifications. <laughs> um, I'm telling you though that uh, I've seen. I'm not going to tell zombie movies. You know, you've seen I'm too not... many zombie movies when you go into a store and you're looking for the exits. You're like, how would I get out? <laughs> I'm not going to uh, tell everybody else the longitude and latitude that I sent you, but I think what I sent you is a pretty decent place. Um, just up a little bit, I found a picture. Oh my goodness, somebody took a 360. Why am I not in Scotland right now? Tell me to stop looking at the map. I need to stop. If I told you that, I would be a hypocrite. (laughs) I think there's, uh... Jeremy, I think we're prone to something. I think we're prone to... A romanticized view of things. And I don't think it's an all bad thing. 
And I think we do have the ability to look at things for what they are, but I think our tendency is to go to the, the romanticized view. Um, so history, for example, we, I mean, I'm speaking primarily for myself. (laughs) I'm speaking primarily for myself here, but I'm pretty sure I speak for you as well. Um, I think it would be super cool to be able to go back in time and, you know, live in Europe during the middle ages. Um, before anybody says anything, because I'm sure some people are about to go to Twitter or something and like lambast me for how horrible it was. Um, I know that. I know the quality of life was a lot. It was, it was a lot more difficult. It was life wasn't easy. And that's the thing, though. I don't necessarily want an easy life. Um, being a peasant is even something that I'm not sure it's completely abhorrent to me um i mean i guess if it wasn't for dealing with the disease so much that i would i mean the cool thing about back then like even given the disease and everything that was going wrong is you were a lot more sure that your i don't know how to say this your life was what you had it wasn't so, I mean, so virtual as it feels today, where you've got half your life is online and some other server, and half the things that you know how to do, or most of the things, are completely useless out of the society that you live in. Like, most people mm-hmm. don't know how to hunt their own food, or, you know, if something happened if, you know, if, and this has actually happened, if the Mexican government went bankrupt again, and for some reason the U.S. couldn't bail them out again this time, and the world economy collapsed and money stopped working like it should be, it should, which is less far-fetched than you would think that something like that could happen, then how many people would die just because they don't know how to do anything useful. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of my it's one of my one of my things that I think about often is that, and that's one of my we, things with libertarian. Sorry, I just really want to be independent. Sorry, go ahead. I want to have a plot of land that I have to maintain myself. I want to work with my hands. I don't think. I don't think we're cut out for this kind of like uber specialized um, society that we live in. I think we we're adapting to it, but at least for me, like not being able to work with my hands is frustrating. It doesn't give me an outlet that I think that I need. Um, one of my prime examples for myself, at least is uh, having lived in uh in Asheville with you guys when I did, um, going out and, you know, felling trees and cutting firewood and everything. Like I would, I'd be tired after, uh, but it felt good. Like I was doing something that was productive, not just for myself, but it was productive for everybody that I lived with. Uh, maintaining the fire was 
super uh, edifying. Like everything involved in working with my hands was great. It was painful at times. It was frustrating. <laughs> um, it's it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun, but there's something this euphoric feeling of doing something that is working towards a positive outcome for you and the people that are a part of your community. So be that farming, be that getting firewood, like the essentials of living um, is, is just fantastic. And here we want to take a quick moment to tell you about Dreamers Tower com. Dreamers Tower is a collection of folks who have a voice and they want to be heard. Even though Dreamers Tower is just getting started, they have great blogs such as Sophia Syndrome that talks about the joys of motherhood, Ramblings of a Sane Woman that talks about the crazy journey we know as life and the thoughts that go along with that, and Vittles, a monthly food blog exploring unique and out-of-the-way restaurants in and around the greater Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And there, Lynette has an emphasis on the experience as well as the story behind the venue and the food. Dreamers Tower is also the host of Grey Rangers Gaming. Check out greyrangers.com or search for Grey Rangers Gaming on Facebook to see what they are streaming or catch up on some of their past streams. We hope you check out these fine folks. Supporting them helps to support us. Now back to the train wreck. Getting back to the... Getting back to living to live, I think, is is healthy. I believe that the amount of time that we spend in our own heads isn't extremely healthy. That coming from someone who absolutely loves to live in his own head, or maybe don't love it, I just do it. The way that we live now is fundamentally fake. People don't know anything about themselves or God or the world even, and they're just content to be small-minded. And it's something that we've, over the course of our lives, and I think I'm speaking for Jared again, for Robert again, <laughs> is we felt pulled into that. We felt like, you know, we're supposed to just care about movies and TV and going to school and getting a a, a job at a a phone company or a in or a grocery store or in healthcare or in insurance. But we've done all that now, and we're just feeling like it's really... There has to be a better way <laughs> for us to put life together. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be like everyone else in the sense that, you know, I've... No, I'm newly a family man. I've got a, I've got a wife and a, a little girl who's a month old. And I don't want to be gone all the time, be working 80 hours a week, 
you know, or 60 hours even, just to make the ends meet and not be there to teach my little girl about life. So, it's just, I know, you know, people do what they do to survive, but I think that we can be more creative and that we don't have to live like this. And in fact, there's a lot of examples of people that have found various ways to free themselves. I, I think I think there's something specific to us in this. And not just us, but people like us. That um, this, this inability to function as well in this modern society... Um, there's plenty of people out there who who are okay with it, who it doesn't drain them. They aren't, um, they, they, they don't feel constrained or confined by, we'll just call it the daily grind. Like they, they work okay. They work well in that, that scenario. I, I think there are people like that. Maybe a few, but like, I really think that most of them are just so regressed by the culture and just so like fundamentally stuck in a worldview that they don't know what's good for them. <laughs> what they they don't know what they really want. Well, okay, let's take a look at this for a second though. Okay, let's let's throw some MBTI up in here. So me and you are intuitive types. Correct? Yeah. Okay, so we intrinsically see the world differently because everything is a possibility to us. But you have people who don't think that way. They think in a very linear pattern. I'm going to use my brother as an example, and you can use your brother as an example. Our brothers are those types of people who are a little bit more linear in the way that they go about things. Doesn't mean that they don't have the potential to like think outside the box and come out with these great ideas and put all of these things together. But that's they they're not as um crazed I think that's the best word. Uh, they're not as crazed as you and I are. Specifically, Caleb. Like, he is the type of person who will do the same thing day in and day out because it is what you do. And to throw anything else into the mix, to have him think about something, to change his routine, can put him into a little bit of a tailspin. Would you say that we are unsatisfied because we are visionaries? Because we look at things yes. and we think not this is how it is. We think this this is not how it should be. We think <laughs> we think that it should be different and that we can somehow make it different. <laughs> That's the, I guess where the delusional part comes in. Yes, yes, we are very delusional. Um, but no, I think that's that's exactly it. We we don't accept the things in front of us, and we talked about this on the last episode. But we don't accept the things in front of us as 
fact. We have to test it. We have to poke it and prod it before we decide that it's something that we're okay with. Um, we constantly see things as they could be or as they should be and have a hard time seeing things as they are because as they are isn't how they should be in many scenarios. So when we talk about uh, like living our day-to-day lives, we know that it is wrong. There is something wrong. It's not right. The way that we wake up, we go to work, we come home, we eat dinner, we go to bed. Maybe we spend time with the family. We, we sit in front of the TV and quote unquote, spend time with the family while we do that. Let me go and do it again because we have no, okay. And this is, this is me speaking here. We have no energy to do anything because our job has drained the life from us because we are constantly in a battle between what we believe reality should be and the reality that we are experiencing. So just for you guys to take a step inside our heads, we're thinking, (laughs) don't, don't, don't do it. It's messy. It's scary. No, we're thinking, why am I spending every day of my time doing something I care nothing about when I could be doing something that gave me energy? Surely there must be a way. There must be a way for us to do what we love and make a living. And in fact, there is you know research that suggests if you do something you love, you're much more likely to be good at it i.e. you're much more likely to make a good living at it. But why are we even focused on making a living? Okay, this is a little, like, rant off to the side here. But, like, that's the thing. Why even a living? What does that even mean? I mean, I want... And I know this is going to sound weird, and people will say what they want to say. We'll go back to the whole thing, and they're gonna say that I have a romanticized say view of this. But say. say what you mean to say. Um, I, I I think we did not miss our calling, Jeremy. I'm just putting that out there. Um, I don't know, man. The the notion of a job, the notion of making a living. Where did that that all come from? Why is that our our focus? Who was the Why guy? Can't who was the guy who started the the public school systems? I'm I'm trying to remember his name, but he had, you know, who I'm talking about. What the U.S. public school system? Yes. Um, I don't know. Hang Are on. we talking like post colonies? Yes. Federal era. I can't really make this point if I can't remember the guy's name. But he basically he was one of those people that believed sort of in a Machiavist way that there's certain people, you know, for a society to work certain people have to be dumb. They have to just be drones. 
And so some mm-hmm. people theorize, and there isn't like concrete proof of this other than what you see before you, that he designed the school systems from the beginning thinking that they would make the majority of people drones. <laughs> I hadn't heard this before, but you know what? But you know what? This opened this. Oh, this opened up a can of worms. Okay. Because I was thinking of this while I was watching that video you sent me. I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but I learned this in college. But I mean, he didn't. I don't know if he started the school system, but he was right there near the beginning. I can't find it, but I'll have to bring that in in a later episode once I find it. That makes a lot of sense, though, because this is something that I have been saying for a very long time, that our education system teaches rote regurgitation. Our education system does not teach you how to function, how to really even learn. Our education system is focused on having you repeat the things that have been given to you. And that's why I fully plan on A, homeschooling my kids, and B, using a method, and I don't like this name, I think it's stupid, but the unschooling approach, um, which is essentially life is education. So you do things like go to the grocery store and have your kid calculate or you teach your kid how to calculate the price that you're paying per ounce of something. And the fact um, of the matter is, you know, people learn better from example. You know, historically, well, I mean, not, at least in the medieval ages, you would just learn what your father did. And even though that didn't give you a lot of variety or any mm-hmm. variety, at the same time, it was a it was a good system for learning, at least learning that one thing, because you watched him do it every day, all day long. If he was a blacksmith, he fixed horseshoes, he made swords, he made armor, or whatever his um, his professional skills were in. And that's how you learned, is by helping and watching. And This house that I'm sitting right now, it's my parents' house, and I learned so much about construction and building a house because I was here as a kid helping them remodel it. I mean, I didn't design any of the big features, but I saw all of it being done. And because of that, I think that I could probably, you know, turn around and build my own house because of what I learned here as a kid. Mm-hmm. So, it's, yeah. But if then you yeah. think about public school kids like they're the you know the statistical test scores are appalling i was homeschooled and i really like you know i was a kid but i didn't have delusions i wasn't awesome at my subjects and yet somehow i managed to blow you know statistical public school scores out of the water like, they had this thing called the Stanford Achievement Test, which you took every year to make sure you were on course. It was just ridiculous how easy it was to be as good as everybody else. Like, and I'm not, I'm really not 
like a brilliant kid, especially with, you know, math and science and those harder subjects. And it really wasn't that hard. Well, yeah, that's one thing. Like, whenever I had that test, um, I scored in the... Shoot. It was above 50% in the mathematics section. And I suck at math. Math and my brain do not go well together. So whenever I found out that I am smarter than half of my peers when it comes to math, I my my heart sank. I I, I don't understand how this happens. Yeah. I mean Oh man. I I honestly still don't even know what to think about that because I'm horrible and He's horrible. half of my peers are worse than me. I don't know. Okay. So this, this comes back to something else that I think about though. Okay. So why, why is it that we have a system that focuses on general knowledge and pushing everybody up to a particular level on every single subject. Why do we do that? Why don't we focus standardization so that you can you can test and see where everyone is? But not everybody is the same. Aren't we all individual little snowflakes? Well, I mean, for sure. I'm just being devil's advocate here. <laughs> I know, I know. I, and I'm just, I'm just responding there. It's like if we're all little delicate little snowflakes. I mean, okay, maybe not delicate. Um, of course, our modern generation, I think, is delicate snowflakes. But anyway, that's another topic for another day. Um, if everybody is different, why do we have to have things that are standardized? Why do we all have to function in the exact same setting perfectly? Now, I am saying this as someone who is UniQ. By the way, how do you uh how do you uh catch a special rabbit? Um You sneak up on it. Okay. <laughs> what, what is that even? <laughs> Okay, okay, a little much juice, a little, little too much juice for tonight. You need to set the set the bottle down there. No, it was a can of Coke, not uh, cocaine. <clears throat> Calm yourself. Anyway, so everybody's different. Okay, this this is coming from me, <clears throat> who is someone who is who is abnormal. I don't fit in with a lot of things um, in the society around me. I mean, if we want to take a look at this. From a Myers-Briggs type indicator standpoint, I'm an INFP male. I am like, I think depending on which study you look at, I am in the ballpark of 2% of the North America population or less than that. I am the third or fourth minority of uh, Myers-Briggs types. I shouldn't exist. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are you that popular? <laughs> I have all of these tangents to come back to later, but the fact is, like, I I don't fit in with anything. I have to adapt to any environment that I'm in. So why do I always have to adapt? I'm not saying that adapting is wrong. 
I, I think it's perfectly fine to have to adapt to situations. I enjoy adapting to certain situations. But why is it that when it comes to learning, why do I have to adapt to a system that does not in any way, shape, or form work for me? And then I have teachers tell me that I'm not smart. That didn't actually happen to me. But in theory, it, it could have happened. Um, it, it's like, would you take a goldfish out of water and ask it why it's dying? What well, was it um, that Albert Einstein was uh, allegedly supposed to have said about um, being a genius? It was something like... It's something along those lines, like a fish can't climb a tree, and if a fish can't climb a tree, you can't say that it's not a genius, because it's not designed for it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you can't hold a fish uh, to the same standard that you would hold, like, a human being when it comes to, like, its ability to climb a tree or something like that. I I mean, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but well, I, I, I know what you're talking was... about. Different people are designed for different things. Like, at like, the same way a fish is designed for the water, and, you know, a monkey or a squirrel is designed for the trees, people are designed to be very different. And everyone, his, I think his point was that everyone is a genius in their own way. Like, they're genius in what they're supposed to be a genius at, and not at everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it bad that when you were talking, I could picture like you using your hands and your eyebrows going up. And <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, my hands were flying all over the place. I know exactly what you I, mean. I was <laughs> I could see it. Probably <laughs> had some facial expressions. I don't have a mirror, so I couldn't see them. Wow. <laughs> Guys, I've, no, but... I've known this guy for what since I was born. Twenty five years. Yep. Same birthday. It's weird. We're both two years behind me. Testo can get over because we're very different. I had to actually stand up at some point in there. I had to. I don't know if you heard me like shuffle my mic around, but I had to stand up while I was talking. Sitting down just couldn't convey anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but this is my point here. Why are we judging everybody by the same set? Of standards. I I totally understand. And don't get me wrong. Like, I get it. From an early age, it's good to have general knowledge. And I am completely and totally for having, you know, go up through elementary school being a time to gain all of that, well, elementary knowledge. But why continue pushing that base knowledge level beyond that. At that point, you can tell what uh, the pupil is interested in and what they gravitate towards because of what's what makes sense to them. You can gauge these things by the time. I mean, honestly, you can do it really early on. My My mom knew what I was interested in and the things that she was going to focus on for me when I was... Um, oh shoot. See, Caleb was born when I was six and a half years old. Yeah. So five to six, (laughs) she already knew my, my general leaning for a whole bunch of stuff. Reading as an example, like I was a voracious reader. uh, 
Uh, sorry, I was just going to interject. So far, we only know that Sophia's going to be a metalhead because she can be really <laughs> aggravated and you play some, some Rob Zombie or something and she'll come right down. <laughs> That's great. Her eyes will get have you tried? Have you tried playing any like trap or dubstep for her to see if she likes that? No, she does like Metallica. Though. She doesn't like Taylor Swift. Oh, that's a shame. That's too bad. I don't mind T Swift. Certain songs. Um. <laughs> Your mom named hey, Jeremy. Jeremy, I I hate to tell you this, buddy, but uh, we were never ever ever getting back together. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> you, heard, you heard the the YouTube uh, video with the the goat. <laughs> Yep. Never ever trouble trouble. Um. Okay. We 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 are. I'm not gonna say we're king of tangents. I'm sure there's people out there who who go on tangents far more often than we do, but we do enjoy our tangents. Um. The point is, we're going to start our own business and then our own school and then we're going to take over the uh the whole world. I think that's the only logical conclusion from anything that we've ever discussed. That's what I'm saying. It's going to happen, people. So you better get on board now so you can have rights. Just kidding. We'll we'll give them rights. I mean as long as they um as long as they follow us on Twitter and Facebook and um, they subscribe to our YouTube channel and as long as they, you know, generally support us, like, w- they'll have rights. This being our second episode, I'm going to go ahead and say, those of you that have made it this far, we really want you to um, to send us a message and let us know what you want us to talk about, because we've got lots of things to talk about, but maybe this has inspired something that you're, you've been thinking about, and you'd like us to comment on it, or, you know, we might even, uh, no promises here, but we might even do some, some research for you on it. <laughs> and we, we welcome your feedback. Um, tell us anything that we, we said that was wrong, that was crazy. Um, I mean, you can even, you can even do some name calling if you like. I'm not, a, I'm not gonna, I mean, my, my feelings aren't going to be hurt. So if you're trying to hurt my feelings, you're going to have to try pretty dang hard. You're right. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely appreciate everybody, um, uh, who is listening, which is probably, uh, let's see. What, like your mom, my mom, people? Aunt Rhonda. Yeah. So there's, there's three people. Hi, Mom. Maybe I'll play Hi, for Nancy. My, my dog. Hi, Rhonda. You play for your dog? Yeah, I mean, he always he always listens to me. <laughs> so, uh, so for for all our relatives who are listening to this podcast, we appreciate you. Appreciate everything you've done for us. If you're not a relative and you're listening to this podcast, why the heck are you still here? I mean, we appreciate you. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But why? <laughs> You're awesome relatives. Don't judge. Don't uh, judge us for the flask. <laughs> I forgot my flask today. I still have my my rum sitting over there. Anyway, getting right along. <laughs> All right, we love you guys. Until next week.
stay uh cheers uh keep that <laughs> keep stay on your tiptoes don't let that that rope go i don't know i'll have to work on this catchphrase <laughs> yeah um i don't know what to do there